Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. All right, so we have started a new series called The Story of My Life. And we're asking, how do we live a story that matters? We gave a quote last week that said, every life is a story. Whether it is a story worth telling is up to you. Now think about that. Every life tells a story. Whether it will be a story worth telling is up to you. You may have heard it said that everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. We are trying to live a life where we end up somewhere on purpose, somewhere that has some meaning and that we leave behind a story that matters. And so maybe if you took a step back last week and you look at the arc of your storyline, your life, and you're not all that pleased with where it rests today, the good news is, is that God can still step in and write new chapters moving forward because the last chapter of your life has not been written. Last week we looked at uh, four reasons why our stories struggle. We don't have time to go through them. We'll put it on the screens there. I strongly encourage you to take a listen to last week's message on our podcast. Today we're going to look at number two, this idea of living off the wrong script. That any time that God says something about you and you believe the opposite, you're living off script. If you think of yourself and you think that you are a person of no value, uh, uh, no purpose, and yet God says, no, no, you have value and you have purpose and you matter, and yet you believe the opposite, you're living off script. Anytime that God says, it is in your best interest to forgive and to let go, but instead we choose to hang on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, we're living off script. Anytime that God says, stop, and we say, I'm going to go, We are living off script. And all of us have stories, chapters of pain and turmoil in life that we have brought on ourselves when we went off script. So let's pray today. We're going to jump in. We've got a lot to cover. I think we have a great story to cover out of the Bible. And let's see how it can apply to us today. So Lord, uh, As we open up your word, let it speak to us. We believe it's timeless and it's powerful and it's relevant today. As we begin to uh, unpack it, would you, Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us what uh, what each of us needs to hear? And I want to pray that you would meet us where we are right now. I pray that you would reveal something different to each person according to what is needed. I pray that we would sense the presence of God even right now. I pray regardless of where we have been or what the recent chapters of our life might look like, I pray that today at this moment that you, Spirit of God, would rest upon us. I pray that we would hear the whispers of God. I pray that we would hear words of affirmation and words of love or words of acceptance, words of forgiveness. I pray that, as James says, that as we draw near to you, that you indeed draw near to us. Draw near to us today. Draw near to us. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Today we're going to look at a story in the Bible that failed because 10 of its characters went off script. God said one thing and they did another. And eventually their decision kind of polluted the group and it led to death and destruction. But perhaps the worst part of the story is that it was never supposed to be a story that went negative. It was never supposed to be a tearjerker. God never wrote the original script to to be about death and sorrow. He never wrote it to be a story of defeat. It was written originally by God's plan to be a story of success and victory and triumph. And it was supposed to be a story of celebrating God's provision. But that is not how it ended. So we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if you have it on your smart device, you can open it up with us. I encourage you to uh, bring a Bible with you if, if you have one. If not, see me. I'd be glad to get you one. So we're going to be in Numbers 13. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory. God reveals himself to a man named Abram. Later his name is changed to Abraham, Father Abraham. Uh, and he tells him that you will be the father of a great nation. He says your descendants will be as many as the stars are in the sky. And then God begins to write and begins to build this story for Abraham. And indeed, Abraham becomes uh, a father of a nation, and it is the nation of Israel coming from, from his seed. Uh, and God begins to create and begins to write. And Abraham had his own troubles and many times he picked up the wrong script and he had issues because of that. But God continues to work with him and continues uh, to, to write and to create this story. Fast forward now 400 years and this now great nation finds itself in bondage in Egypt and they are being controlled by their Egyptian masters. But God hears their prayers and God begins to write again. And God now writes in a character by the name of Moses, that he would be their deliverer. He would lead them out of captivity and would bring them into freedom. But Moses has his own struggles. God begins to write and says, Moses, the story I have for you is I want you to go to Pharaoh and you will tell him, Pharaoh, let my people go because I'm bringing them out of captivity and I will bring them into a land of promise. The metaphor was this land of uh, flowing with milk and honey. And God says, I have this set aside for my people. But Moses struggled. And Moses uh, couldn't understand why God chose him for this role. Moses had a past that he wasn't happy about. uh, And he was hiding. Uh, Moses came upon an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. And Moses rose up and he killed the Egyptian and buried his body in the stand And word began to spread, and Moses fled for his life. And now it's 40 years later, he's working as a shepherd. And God taps him on the shoulder and says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I have a a new story for you. And what stood between Moses and the story was the script that Moses was holding was the script that he wrote for himself. And Moses couldn't understand why God chose him for this role, and he began to have a dialogue with God and said, you picked the wrong person, you cast the wrong person for the role because I don't speak very well. And at one point even said, you probably need to choose someone else because I'm just not the right person for this. And God, you know, of course, responded and said, I can write a script however I choose. My job is to write the script. Your job is to work within the storyline. So Moses, are you in or are you out? And so we pick up in uh, Numbers 13, and by this time, 
Israel was large and established, and God brought them out of Egypt through some amazing special effects with frogs and locusts and fiery hail and all of this stuff that went on and the parting of the sea. But they've been wandering around the desert, and now Moses and the people are about, they're on the cusp of moving into the promised land, and God's about to fulfill the promise to fully bring them out of their past, to bring them out from under the hand of their Egyptian masters, and out of wandering around in the desert, and to bring them into a place of prosperity and into a land called Canaan. And so we pick up in verse 13, chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which, now catch these three words, I am giving to you the Israelites from each of the ancestral tribes, send one of its leaders. And so they, there were 12 tribes, and so 12 men went. I just did that math in my head because I'm pretty smart. Now catch the word that he said. He said, I am giving you this land, right? Flowing with milk and honey. This is a promised land that I'm... It wasn't that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do something amazing. It wasn't that if things work out or that I have a plan or let's see what happens and maybe, no, 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 it's like, I want you to go and see the land that I'm giving you. In other words, I want you to get excited and I want to show you just a glimpse of what your future holds. But what we're going to see is that certain members of the 12 men that went out to kind of scout the land, certain of them decided to go off script. Verses 3 and 4. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out of the desert of Paran. Now, just to give you an idea of where we're at uh, in the world, um, go ahead and put that up. Uh, You can see Egypt over there to the left. That uh, little red circle is the Sinai Peninsula, and we're in the heart of that area. You can see the green circle up top is Israel. So remember, they're coming out of Egypt. They've got stuck for 40 years in this peninsula area, this desert, this wasteland Uh, because of disobedience, but God's getting ready to move them forward into this promised land uh, up into Canaan. And so this is an exciting uh, time for them. Continue with verse 3. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and these are their names. And for the next several verses, they say their names, and for sake of time, we're going to jump down to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country, And see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? He says, I want you to find out what is the soil like. Is it fertile or is it poor? uh, Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so Moses sends out a pre-production crew. Twelve men that are supposed to scout out the land that God was giving them. Now, catch something. Their job was to simply scout the land. Their job was not supposed to write the script. Their job was not to work on the budget. Their job was not to begin to contemplate if even the storyline was possible. All their job was was to scout out what God, survey what God was about to give them. Verse 21. So they went up and they explored the land. When they reached the valley of Eskel... They cut off a branch bearing single cluster of grapes. Two of the men carried it on a pole between them. So there's some massive produce, some massive, you know, the, the soil is good. And they're carrying it back along with some pomegranates and figs. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Now, let me tell you how it was supposed to go down. 
The way this story was supposed to go down is the 12 men were supposed to come back strutting their grapes in front of the people. That sounded totally wrong. They were supposed to come back talking about how rich the land was and how, and how great the produce was and all that God was about to give them. They were supposed to come back with this great sense of expectancy and they were supposed to come back with anticipation and excitement and, and that kind of excitement that keeps you up at night because you can't wait for tomorrow. It's the way that most of you feel on Saturday night, thinking about... All right, moving right along. Most of you don't. Uh, but there was supposed to be this, 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 this idea that they would come back and say, pack your things because the move is coming. We're not staying here much longer. Something better is on the horizon. And this should have been the story. It was the script that God had wrote for them. And yet someone picked up an unauthorized script. And it changed everything. Verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh, in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So, so far, so good. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. In other words, this place is as good as God said it was. That we went and we saw the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. All right, moving right along. Don't ask me why I said that. Now listen, verse... If you got that reference, you're on the right church. No, moving right along. Verse 28. He said, but the people, now here's where it starts to turn, right? He says, but the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and they're very large. Now you can insert your ominous music here because the story starts to take a turn. And, and this, this is where God must be kind of shouting down from heaven and saying, you're going off script. Of course this land is spacious. I told you I was giving it to you. It is as described. And of course the people there are strong because I'm looking for an action sequence to flex my muscle. What good is it if I go up against someone who's weak? Jason Bourne isn't very compelling if the only people he's fighting is Morgan and the worship team, right? Falls a little flat. And so God, no offense. <laughs> and, so, and so what God is saying, of course it's spacious. Of course the people are big. Of course there's hurdles. What did you think I was going to do here? Of course there's some opposition, but I'm going to flex my muscle to move you into the place that I promised you. It is as advertised. And yet they couldn't get past their obstacles. They, they were supposed to come back in awe and all they could do is came, they came back and all they saw were the obstacles. When my children were younger and we would take them on vacation, we, we would uh, show them pictures of, you know, go online and say, here's what we're going to do. We'd go to Discovery Cove in Florida and, and we'd show, you know, people swimming with the stingrays and swimming with the dolphins. And it was to get them excited about what they're going to see and what they're going to be able to experience and what they're going to do. And, 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 and we would kind of play that out and then we'd say, in four months we're going and it's going to be fantastic. The reason I did that is because their job was to get excited about the trip. Their job was to anticipate what was coming, and their job was to appreciate the blessing that mom and dad was giving them. Their job was not to tell me whether or not we could afford it. Their job was not to tell me if it was possible or it's too far away or we're going to need to take too much time off work. The job of the Israelites at this point was just to say, you are an abundant God. But some of them stepped in and said, it's going to cost a little too much. We're not sure if it can go down the way you say it should. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people. Well, you know, 
Finally, someone is speaking truth. Before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, Caleb knew that in life we have two choices. We can live off of God's script or we can live off a script that is handed to us by culture or fear or Satan himself, whatever. And he says, look, I'm choosing to live by the script that God wrote. He already said he gave it to us. Now let's go down there and take these guys. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And at that moment, they rewrote the script. What they did is they shredded a few pages that they didn't understand or couldn't comprehend, and and they settled for a different story, a different script that was safer. Right? We talked last week that one of the reasons that our stories struggle is we want to pull out of the stories or the scenes that matter. And it's the scenes of tension and the scenes of trouble that form us and shape us under pressure. And what should have happened is they should have stepped into a scene of some tension, of saying, all right, there's some formidable foes. They should have stepped into this scene, and it was supposed to be a scene where God shaped them and formed them to greater people of faith. It was supposed to be a scene where they, where they experienced the, the presence and the power of God moving people bigger than them off of the land, and they opted out of the scene that mattered. So listen, I don't know what the scenes are in your life today. But one thing we know for sure is that you cannot get to the promised land if you remove yourself from the scenes that matter. And every time you hit some opposition is not the time to turn around and say, this story must be closing. Or it's not time that I should be looking at writing a new story or an easier story. Sometimes we just sit in the tension because it's in that pressure that God forms us. Verse 32. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Their perspective, it's all off, right? They're telling God, look, we're not right for this role. But if you dig a little bit deeper, on the surface, thinking it reflects the self-image that we have of ourselves. But, but hear me. If you dig a little bit deeper, ultimately the thinking speaks more about how you feel about the director. Because what they were saying more is more than just, hey, we're not the right people. What they're saying is, we're not sure you're the right director. We're not sure you can do what you said you were going to do. We're not sure you can move us into the land that you promised us. We're not sure you have this under control and we doubt your ability to direct and to lead. Chapter 14, verse 1. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. We're in the desert. And why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for, those, uh, for us to go back to Egypt? Now listen to this. And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Have there ever been difficult scenes, a difficult chapter in your life that was full of so much tension and so much suspension, uh, so much suspense and so much difficulty that the pressure caused you to look back on previous chapters and rewrite those chapters to be better than they actually were? When we started our church reveal here, there was the first year was, I mean, it was crazy. 
wife started a new job, started a new church, kids in new schools. And, and there were times when everything was quiet. And my wife would say, sometimes I miss our old life. And I miss how everything was comfortable and everything was packaged and we knew what was happening. And, and then we would start to talk about it. And we would remember that that old life wasn't all that good. We had three kids in diapers. We were doing four church services a Sunday. We had to choose between medicine or shoes. We were broke. And, and because one chapter was so difficult, we started to rewrite the previous chapters to be better than they actually were. That's what was happening here. They're like, maybe we should have just stayed in Egypt. It wasn't that bad in Egypt, remember? They were slaves in Egypt. Right? The people were, 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 were driven to the point of exhaustion and death. So here, here's my warning. When we get into the new space and there's some challenges, there will be challenges, don't start thinking, remember how easy it was back in the auditorium? Don't even come to me with it, right? That's, that's, that's this, things aren't better back in Egypt. Sometimes we just rewrite it when we're in a season of tension because the problem isn't so much the, the chapter that we're in, the problem is that we don't believe the author can write us out of that chapter. And so we start dreaming of past chapters that were better than where we're at when in reality they weren't better. Right? There's tension in every chapter. And so here's, here's what's, what's, what's going on, right? The previous chapter looks better than, than, than where we're at. So another one speaks out. Ten are against. Two now are four. Of the twelve that went, two are four. Caleb says... And said to the entire Israelite assembly. He said, listen, the land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of that land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And finally, someone is swaying opinion. And all of the people are like, Caleb, you're right. We're ready to do this. And they get back on script, right? Look at verse 10. It's fantastic. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. They're like, no. Now, there's the script that we have. It makes sense to us. They're bigger than us. We're going to stay on our script. The script that we have, it's too difficult. We're staying with what we wrote. The result... The ten who gave the bad report died of a plague. The rest of the entire generation of those that went with the ten eventually just died of old age in the wilderness. And eventually God fulfilled his promise. He brought them into Canaan, but the promise was fulfilled to their children. See, I think God can overcome just about anything in our lives, but our stories come to an abrupt stop the moment we stop believing God is who he said he is and can do what he said he can do. And when they stopped believing, God said, if, if you want to be stuck on this chapter, I'll let you be stuck on this chapter. And I'll write a new chapter, but it's going to be for your children. Let's see what we can pull out of this quickly and then we'll close. Let's see how we can pull out about how this determines our story. Here's some good news. Regardless of where you find yourself today, your setting does not determine your future story. Ultimately, it doesn't matter where you find yourself today or where you found yourself yesterday or last week or last month or last year. 
right? Your social, political, ethnic, economic background does not determine your story. How bad you messed up before does not determine your story. God is able to make something of your story regardless of where you find yourself today if you're willing to live on the right script. But every time you take that script away and say, I will jot something down myself, you're off script. Here's good news. The antagonists in your life do not determine the outcome of your story. Right? The villains in your story are not the greatest determining factor in what your future story will look like. Which is good news because you may have characters in your life right now that may not be contributing in a positive way to your story. You may have people in your life who are contributing in a negative way and it is out of your control. The good news, the good news is that our story is not limited by the antagonists in our life. And the only way your antagonists can sink your story is if you give them permission to rewrite it. Now listen, I know that's a great phrase and I have to put that on Facebook. But I also realize that there are some of you here that you've had an antagonist in your life, somebody who has done things against you and to you that are unspeakable. And so I'm not trying to minimize that pain. I'm not trying to minimize that hurt. I am trying to give you some hope and that God says those that are most against you do not have to be the ones to determine your future story. Number three, the conflict you face does not determine the outcome of your story. Every story has a formidable foe, but they ultimately do not have control of your story. Parents become sick and you have to take care of them. Life is flipped upside down. You have no control over when the phone call came with the bad report, where they found the tumor or when they found it or the success of the treatment. You had no control over when the job was lost or, or when things in life went south. But the conflict in your life does not have to be the determining factor in your story. Which is good news for me that my story is not cheaply determined by my setting or the characters that are around me, nor is it determined by the conflict that enters into my life story. But here is what does determine my story. My story is determined by the report I choose to believe. And that means, and hey, this is difficult for me, that means that I need to stop being the director. You ever want to just direct your own life? Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, maybe it's not supposed to because you're not supposed to be the director. And I can't get my mind around it. Well, maybe we're not supposed to get our mind around it. And so whose report do you choose to believe? 1817, the poet Samuel Coleridge coined a, a, a phrase, used a phrase, suspension of disbelief. Today it means that when you show up to watch a movie or when you pick up a book to read it, in order to enjoy the book or the stories, the audience engages in a phenomenon known as suspension of disbelief. It's a semi-conscious decision uh, in which you put aside your disbelief and accept the presence as being real for the duration of that story. But if you do not suspend your disbelief, you will not enjoy the movie, you will not enjoy the story. It's why sometimes you go to a movie and you're loving it and someone's in the background saying, that's fake, 
right? Idiot way in the back. People can't fly. Like, can you suspend your disbelief just for a moment so we can enjoy this a little bit? Right? This idea of suspension of disbelief. The greatest determining factor in my story and your story is whether or not we can suspend our disbelief. The Bible calls it faith. Listen. What if some of the greatest scenes, what if some of the greatest chapters of your life, of my life, are chapters that may never be written because we cannot suspend our disbelief? Here's what that looks like. My marriage is too far gone. My advice is to suspend your disbelief. My past disqualifies me from doing anything good for God. Suspend your disbelief. Let faith rise above. My children are too far gone. Suspend your disbelief. My husband will never come to church. Suspend your disbelief. They'll never come to Christ. My life will never get better. I'm never going to walk in blessing. Suspend your disbelief. What what triggers and what controls and what directs my story is whose report I choose to believe. And I'm telling you, in 48 years of living, there have been numerous reports that come across my desk that I have a choice. Whose will I believe? Because I'm no different than you. And today, you are faced with probably two scripts. Whose script will you choose to believe? One will require you to suspend your disbelief, faith. The other will say, I'm going to take it in my own hands. And I'm going to make this thing happen myself. Your story is not finished. The story of this church is not finished. In a very real sense, kind of suspend our disbelief a little bit. You know, 200 grand, that's a lot of money. But let's have faith that God can do immeasurably more than that 200 grand. What if the greatest chapters of your life may never be written because you cannot suspend your disbelief enough for God to say, let me write this chapter in for you. You pray with me. You can stay seated. Before I pray, I want to ask that you would just invite the presence of God upon you. That you would ask God to speak. You would ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then you would listen. And when God speaks, whether it's through an internal voice or you hear a picture or there's a prompting or there's something where God's, you know, right now God is speaking to some of you saying, you're off script right now. How will you respond? Maybe God is speaking to you about this idea that the antagonists in your life do not determine or do not need to determine your future story. Just embrace that today.
Maybe there's a part of your story that God says, we need to begin to change the trajectory of this story. And it needs to go this direction. Maybe you've just allowed life to just send you off on a trajectory and you're in a place, I don't know, how did I even get here? The good news is, the final chapter of your life has not yet been written. And so speak to us, Lord. And you just stay in an attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here and you've never made that first decision to put Jesus as the main character of your life. And I don't want you to leave without having an opportunity to just kind of say, I'm removing myself as the lead and I'm putting Jesus as the lead. And part of that is, is asking for forgiveness of all the chapters of your life that are ugly, all the things that you've done that are ugly. The Bible calls it sin. And the beauty of the cross is that because of the work of Jesus, he died that those sins do not need to be held against us, that we can be forgiven of them. And so if you've never made that decision or you need to recommit that decision, I won't ask you to come up, but just put your hand in the air that I'd recognize you today. Lord, we submit ourselves to your leading. We submit ourselves to your lordship. Just felt just a prompting just to speak to some of the younger people uh, before we close. Some of you younger people, young adults, the best thing you can do is to stay on script. And you can come and find me 20 years later when I'm an old man, and I money back guarantee, you say, Marty, the best decision I made, to the best of my ability, to stay on script. The Bible speaks of it this way. In Psalms 1, it talks about that you'll be like a tree. It gives us metaphors, a tree by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. And Joshua 1.8 says, says, says that what you put your hand to, that you'll succeed in, that God, will, that, that God will, will follow close to you, that you will prosper in those things. And the best thing that you can do, starting off on your life, ask anyone who's over 40, the best thing you can do is to stay on script. Lord, I bless our community here. I bless this community of faith, this community of believers. I bless you to experience the richness of God, our creator, the author of life who desires to continue to author life for you. That you would experience his grace and his mercy which are new every morning. I bless you to step into a chapter that God is writing for you. I bless you to step into the presence of love and mercy 
and abundance of grace and goodness that God distributes to his people. So this week, live a story that is pleasing to your Savior and live a story, a life that is worth telling. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Listen, if you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. Uh, Or if you need prayer, we'll have some people down here. I'd love to pray for you. We'll continue the series next week. Invite some friends. God bless you guys.